What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We are going to uh, be going through the book of Ephesians today. Uh, The whole book. Yes, the whole book. Um, We are talking about the church today. If you've been with us we're going through the book of First Timothy. Angel completed that last week, so thank you, Angel. Great job. Um, and so during this break here, we uh, what what I want to do, what I felt compelled to do, is I've had a number of people saying, "Hey, how do you join this church? How do you become a member of this church?" And so we usually do a membership class. Uh, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to just do the membership class for the next few weeks on Sunday um, so that everybody can become a member, all right? And you don't have to go to a class, okay? Is that good? Uh, okay. We'll, we'll see if it's good. So, with that being said, um, there's questions, you know, what, what is the church? Um, why this church? What makes this church different than other churches? What's required for me uh, to, to join? What is the vision of this church? Um, the reality is uh, many people have a low view of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, um, there is a, a, a survey that was done uh, of millennials and their view, and um, they believe that the, the church is full of uh, hypocrites, all right, hypocrites, and so we can understand that because um, the standard that we're going for is kind of perfection, right? Jesus is perfect. So when you don't have standards, yeah, you're not going to be a hypocrite, but if you have standards, guess what? You can't meet them. It's only through Christ that you can meet them, right? But the church is looked at as hypocrites. Also, we're more so known for what we are against than what we're for. Boycotting this, bad-mouthing this. Also, judgmental. Like the church is, uh, yeah, you can go there if you want to be judged and condemned, um, how about this one? The church only cares about money. Uh, that's what it all, it's a big scam. They're just trying to get rich and, 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 and get your money. Um, all these things are, are, are what the, the people believe about the church. And there was a church father that actually said this, the church is a prostitute, but she's still my mother. The church is a prostitute, but she is still my mother. So guys, uh, when I list all of these things, I don't have to look very far to see all these things I have been complicit in. I've gone after other lovers. I have looked at other churches and what they're doing and what they're not doing, and I've judged them. And I've looked down on them with haughty eyes, out of arrogance and pride. I've been caught up in everything that I'm doing and, and, and what God's calling me to do and, and passionate about a certain mission and, and, then, and then looking at the other people and they're like, oh man, we're a warship, but they're just a cruise ship over there. 
we have that kind of comparison, we have that kind of mentality. Um, I've been hypocritical. And I've probably been against more things at times than for things. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known as that. You know, for people that have received Christ and Christ says over us, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are the ones that are not condemned anymore. You would think we would not condemn. We're the ones that would that have received forgiveness, you would think we would be the ones that would forgive. So let me go ahead and pray again as we talk about the church. And just quiet your hearts before the Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. You are here. You have said when two or three gather in your name, you are in our midst. And I just pray, God, I pray that you would just forgive us We have not represented you well at times. We've been arrogant and prideful and judgmental. We've compared. We've bad-mouthed other churches. God, we ask that you would just forgive us. We ask, God, that you would not only forgive us, but also cleanse us and renew a right spirit in us so that we would see and view your church not from a, a judgmental place, but a high place. A glorious place. That we would have a proper perspective of your bride, of your church, of your family, of your temple, of your people. And I pray that you would help us, Lord. May we not be like the early church that is like, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? May we focus on you, Jesus. May we focus on the glory of your church, God. And may we work alongside you to make her beautiful. Help us to be the people that cover a multitude of sins. We just pray for unity for the collective bride of Christ in our county. That we would be like John the Baptist looking at you, Jesus, saying, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. May we see other churches and say, we are not worthy to untie their sandals because we see the Christ in them. So God, help us today as your flock to become wise according to your word so that we'll have a proper view. And God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness and I pray that this church would walk in an honoring way towards every other church because there is one church. There's one. There's one. Help us, God, to come into what you have paid for by your precious blood. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want you to, to turn to Ephesians 1.15. Uh, I've been asked, hey, how do I become a member here? How do I become a member at Bow Down? Well, technically, biblically, doctrinally, you're already a member if you're born again. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're already a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And so there is two things that I want you to understand. First of all, there is a church universal, which means every Christian everywhere in the world is part of the big C church, church universal. But then there's also a church local, church local, meaning that Bow Down is a special fellowship that is a local church in the city of West Palm here that God has set apart. And so the church universal, the big C, and the church local. I want you to understand as well, when we get up to heaven, there's not going to be any denominations where the Baptists are over there, no drinking, right? Now there's going to be wine and everybody's going to drink in heaven. I've read the end. The Pentecostals, they're going to be way in the back because they're loud and, and, and they, they're, they got flags. And the quiet sections for the Presbyterians, you know, doing liturgy. Now, it's not, it's not going to be like that, guys. What is all that stuff? That's man-made stuff. Now, does God use denominations? Yes, he does. Because it's important, as we'll get into, you need to know what camp you're of, what you believe, why you believe it, right? So that is important. But we're also warned in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that who is Paul? Who is Apollos? It's all about Jesus. Martin Luther, who broke away from the Catholic Church, was probably rolling over in his grave if he was in the grave. He's not. He's with the Lord. But that there's a denomination named after him. We want to do that, don't we? We, we, we want to, to, to kind of create things where we can fit in and, hey, this is, this is kind of our group. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what represents us. And then when we do that, all of a sudden pride kicks up and we begin to judge and condemn those that are not like us. So what is church? Why belong to this church? First thing I want to start off in our membership class is let us have a proper view of the church of Jesus Christ and not, not have it corrupted by what we may see around us, okay? First, chapter 1 of Ephesians verse 15, it says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And I want you to highlight saints, please. 
We are so rich, guys. I don't know if you feel poor today, but guess what? You are, you are very rich. You have a glorious inheritance. Verse 9, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above, and I want you to highlight verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That is a very, very important statement for you to understand what the church is. If you want to put your marker there and write in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 on down, it talks about our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, rulers and authorities in high places. But if you do not get Chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, you're going to have a wrong view of spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare is not happening in heavenly places. Understand, the church of Jesus Christ is over everything that the enemy has. The enemy is under our feet in the church. We are a victorious army. We have already conquered before this, the battle has started because the battle belongs to the Lord. It means that we are are more than conquerors we've won before the battle started the enemy's under our feet it's under our feet that's the church we have all power and we have all authority over the enemy he's defeated it's really good news verse 23 which is his body i want to highlight that his body. So we have saints, we have the church, we have his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want to just tell you, church, that you will not experience the fullness of God as a lone ranger. You will not experience the fullness of God as a church hopper. You will not experience the fullness of God as an artificial limb going from place to place to place. You need to be in a church body, a local church body, to experience the fullness of Christ. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. And you want to highlight that. There is a oneness that happened. And has broken down the wall in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. You might want to highlight one new man. We are one new man in this earth. All right? Verse 16. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers, aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and the members. You want to highlight that? Members of the household of God. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So highlight holy temple. You're also a holy temple. The church is a holy temple. Verse 22, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the church is the dwelling place of God by the by the Holy Spirit. So these verses that come to our mind, right? That when two or three are gathered in my name, wh- whose name are we gathered in today? Bow down's name? No, in the name of Jesus Christ. When two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with. His presence is here. He walks amongst the lampstands. In the book of Revelations, it says that. I want you to turn to Ephesians three fourteen, please. Again, the purpose of going through the book of Ephesians here and just reading chunks of Scripture so you see these different words that pop out that really, really get, help you to have and help me to have a proper perspective when looking at the church. 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. You want to highlight that as well. From whom every family, highlight that please, on in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, capital S, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is the will of God, that you are filled to the fullness of God, that he wants to anoint your head with oil so that your cup overflows. It's God's will for your life. Verse 20, now to him, now to him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And I want you to highlight within us. So much of our American Christianity is me. Me. Power within me. No, 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 listen. It's the power within us, the church, as we come together under the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. Highlight in the church. In the church. In the church. And in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We come together. We bring him glory. Through the church coming together to bring him glory. Ephesians 4 verse 1. Therefore a prisoner For the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing 
with one another in love. See, this is the issue, man. Oh, you go to that church? Man, they don't preach the word there. Oh, you go to that church? They don't, they don't take prayer seriously. Oh, you go to that church? Oh, they don't know how to worship, you know. They don't really know how to wait on the Holy Ghost. And nobody is bearing with one another in love. There's no humility. There's no gentleness. There's no patience. Bearing with one another, that's, that's forbearing. That means this. Here, here's the situation. Here's a little marriage thing, right? Uh, when I got married, I didn't realize, right? I, th- I thought she was completely perfect, and she thought I was completely perfect. But probably it, it took a couple days where she realized she married a sinner. And so all of marriage is being forbearing with someone that constantly falls short. Now, listen, we've read the word, and let me just say this as well. Your identity is not sinner right now, Christian. You've seen the word saint. You're not a sinner, but you're a saint that happens to sin. And if we can begin to look at one another as saints and understand we are going to happen to sin and happen to fall short, it helps us because we're looking at someone in their true identity. Verse 4, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this is really important for us as a church. We already have unity, We just have to maintain it. A lot of times people are saying, well, when is the church going to be unified? When are we going to be racially unified? When is that? Listen, it already happened. I don't know if you remember what it said in Ephesians chapter 2. But he tore down the wall of hostility, creating one new man. The Jew and the Greek is gone. The Irish and the Scottish is gone. It's gone. There's one new man now. It's one new man. The hostility's been killed. There's peace that's been made. And see, we have to maintain it. So we're already one. We just have to maintain it. That's our job. That's the church's job to maintain what Christ paid for. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, with one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Listen, one universal church of Jesus Christ, the big C church, and you are a member of it. I want you to turn to Ephesians 4, 15, please. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head. So Christ is the head of the body. The church is his body into Christ from whom the whole body joined together, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when every part is working properly, making the body, there's that word again, grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the body of Christ is supposed to build itself up in love, not tear itself down in love, but build itself up in love. 
Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, Ephesians 4.25, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I want you to highlight that. We are members of one another. So again, the question is, hey, how do I become a member of Bow Down? Congratulations, you already are. You just didn't know it, okay? So there's no reward or anything, but it, it, it just is what it is. When you became born again, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became a member of the collective church of Jesus Christ. And if you go to Baptist, to Presbyterian, to Pentecostal, right, three different tribes, guess what? You're still in the big C tribe wherever you go. You just got a different car that runs a little bit different. Ephesians 5, 21, submitting Ephesians 5, 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the church is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. So the church is his body. Christ is the head. It is his body. And is himself its savior. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So uh, this word has been trashed uh, in, in, a, in a wrong way. Uh, there's a Greek word, hupotasso, I hope I'm saying it right. Um, uh, but I'm not a, I'm not a Greek scholar. Um, but, but basically it means this. It means that it is a person's choice to make themselves at complete disposal to another. That, that they willingly submit themselves. Like, it is a choice that they want to do. So, um, it, it's a choice that's made out of love. Because I love you, I'm going to submit myself to you. Now, on the, on the other hand, and when you look in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about children. Children, obey your parents um, and, and submit to them, right? That, that word is a command. That word is a command. I'm not going to try to pronounce that word in Greek, but it's like hupokaiou, you know, anyway. Um, so, so that is a command. And same things, when you work with your employer, you are commanded, commanded to obey them, but not in the loving husband-wife relationship. And think about this for a second. How does Jesus work with us? Does he come in and command that you do X, Y, and Z? Here's what Jesus does as a perfect leader. He goes and he embraces the cross for the very people that want to kill him. And he says, come and follow me. He sends his Holy Spirit to woo us to himself. No one comes unless the Father draws. So the Holy Spirit is always drawing. The Holy Spirit is always wooing. That's why Jesus said, hey, who had ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because a lot of times we don't want to hear what the Spirit is saying. But the Spirit is drawing. It's always drawing. And so Jesus, the great leader, he died. He died. For the very ones that killed him because he wanted them with him and when we respond to that love when we respond to that love we willingly and gladly with rejoicing submit ourselves to him so we see these pictures here we see these images here 
that are listed within the book of Ephesians speaking about the church of Jesus Christ. Now, there's also more, and I'm going to give you eight of them. This is not an exhaustive list, but it's a list that we find throughout the Bible. Well, what is the church? The church is just not something that you go to. It's a place that you attend, right? The church is it's like a, the facet of a diamond, right, where, where the sun shines and different prisms form and, and sparkle. The, the, the church is, is hard to define, but the Bible defines it in such a way with these different examples. I'm going to give you eight of them. Number one, it's a family, a family who has a father. We saw that listed in Ephesians, a family that has a father. I, I want you to understand uh, Matthew 23, Matthew chapter 23, 8 and 9, Jesus was speaking to his followers, teaching them how to live like a family. He says, but you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and, you're, and you are all brothers, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. So as the family of God, we are to live under the leadership of our father, and we are all brothers and sisters. There's another place, and I want you to turn there, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, please. I want you to see this. Matthew 12, 46, while he, speaking of Jesus, was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my sister, my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, was Jesus trying to be disrespectful to his mom? No, because the Bible says, honor your mother and father. This isn't a thing of disrespect, but what Jesus was doing, and he was pointing to the book of Ephesians. Remember where it says we have one Father, one Spirit, one baptism? Remember how it says we have a family, like we are the family of God? Jesus is saying, whoever does the will of my Father is in my family. An attribute of the church is it's a people of God that are behaving like a family, wanting to do the will of God. Now, let me just say this. I remember a time when I was little, and I was at my grandmother's house, and my mom had quit drinking, and um, she was convicted of that, and, and she went, and my, my grandma was there, and, and, and the family was there, and hey, you know, glad you're here, do you, do you want this, uh, I think it was wine or whatever, right? My mom's like, no, I've, I've, I've quit drinking, and what, what do you mean you quit drinking? The question came back. Well, I just, I just don't feel, I feel convicted that I don't need to do that anymore as I'm trying to follow Christ. And my grandmother said back to my mom, well, if you don't drink, you're no longer part of this family. And by the way, my, my, my grandfather was a deacon in the Lutheran church, and my grandma went to that church for 50 years, but 
for some reason, what got into her doctrine was <laughs> to be part of the family was drinking. My mom left, and I remember her crying as we drove home. And I said, Mom, why, why, why would Grandma say that to you? I didn't understand it at the time, but I do now. And I also knew what was happening in my mom's life as a disciple. What God was doing was this right here. Do you love your mother more than me? My aunt at the time who had been going to church with my mom that day never went back to church because she knew she didn't want to lose her mom. And listen, Jesus said this. He said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword to separate mother, father, mother, and child. Why? Because the gospel is offensive. The gospel cuts. I've come to bring a sword. Yeah, Jesus's word of God, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and that thing will cut and divide. I, I like this statement, your skin folk ain't your kin folk. Your skin folk ain't your kin folk. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 2. There is now one new man in the earth because of the blood of Jesus. And everything else is secondary. And that language is offensive to those who take great pride in their ethnicity. But see, what God is doing, he's moving us to a place where we would stand like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and say, you know what? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin, but I consider that rubbish in order that may be found in Christ Jesus. I consider my ethnicity, my, my, my heritage, whatever that is that you're clinging to, I consider it rubbish. And rubbish in the Greek was a pile of dung. It's what Paul also talks about in Corinthians where he says, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. We don't look at anybody according to their flesh any longer. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's what's on the inside that matters, that defines. And if you are in Christ, you are one new man now. And everything else has to go. It has to go. So, huh, are you part of the family of God or not? The second thing that we see through Scripture is we see the church is called the flock of God. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, my sheep, they, my sheep, they hear my voice, and as strangers, they will not follow. My sheep hear my voice, 
In 1 Peter 5, it talks about, hey, elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So the church, according to Scripture, is a, is a flock. Um, the third thing, we see this here in Ephesians, that the church is the... That the, the church is a group of saints, the saints, the, the people of God, the, the righteous ones, the holy ones, right? We are saints of God. We also see in Scripture that the church is an army of God. If we read Ephesians 6, 10 on down, we would see, put on the armor, put on the armor. So the church, the church is also an army. The church is the body of Christ. Now, something happened to me when I really began to look at Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, and I began to look at both chapters, and it says in chapter 8, Paul was ravaging the church. He was persecuting the church. And then I flipped to chapter 9, and Jesus shows up, knocks Paul off his horse, and says, Paul, Paul, what, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Well, go back to 8 of Acts, chapter 8. He was persecuting the church. So Jesus looks at the church as if it's his literal body. That is a high view. Now listen, I don't want you to get knocked off your horse. That's why we want to repent from having wrong views of other churches People often, hey, Chris, will you denounce that church because of what they're doing? Look, I'm not, I'm not called to do that. If you're here and you bring some of that nonsense up in here, then we'll talk about it. But I'm not called to go out and begin to denounce and proclaim and condemn. And No, no, no. i got to shepherd the flock that's among us here in this church, in this house. And Jesus warned as well, how you do that's important, right? Because there was a sower that sowed seeds in the field, and there's wheat and there's tares. They grow up together. Do you want us to remove? And Jesus said, no, don't remove them. Let them grow, because if you remove them, you can remove the wheat with the tares. So the church needs to be very, very spirit-led when confronting things that are wrong within the church. The sixth thing, if you're still taking note, we see the church listed as a bride. The bride, the bride, the wife of the lamb. It's in Ephesians 5, right? We also see it in uh, Revelation 19 where it says the bride has made herself ready. Like, guys, heaven, the first thing that's going to happen is the marriage supper of the lamb. There is this wedding that's about to take place, and we are the bride, and our king is coming back for us, the bride. Now, listen, again, we want to, want to walk with the fear of the Lord. Think about this. If you say something about my bride, you may get pulled out, okay? I may go Old Testament, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. 
if you talk about my bride, right? You, you talk about, eh, but, but my bride, right? And so, and so, again, this is why we want to have a proper view of what the church is. We want to honor. We want to respect. We want to overlook. And how is Christ treating his bride? He's bathing her in the word so that she is without spot and blemish and wrinkle, and she's beautiful, and she's radiant. And because we love the bride, we want to work to that end so that she is glorious with, this, without, with splendor and majesty, bringing glory to God, not pointing out her dress is a little too short. She should know better. She shouldn't be wearing that. Doesn't she have a mirror? Anyway. The bride. Number seven, temple. We saw that again in Ephesians where it says we are the temple, temple, temple. We're the temple of the living God. Now, God doesn't dwell in buildings made of stone, but he dwells in the hearts of men. So you and I collectively, we're a temple, but according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, individually, you're also the temple of God. You're the temple of God. We're the temple of God. And then we see in Revelation 1.20 that we are also a lampstand. What in the world's a lampstand? A lampstand is something to be set up so that it gives light. And that's what the church is in the world, a lampstand. And again, Jesus was speaking to that in Matthew chapter 5, 14, where he said this, You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give what? Glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are to shine, guys. We are the children of light. We we, we declare to those that are trapped in darkness the glory of the gospel that they would come to the light. The church, those eight things, it's what the church is. So you still haven't answered my question, Chris. How do I become a member? Okay, thanks for asking. I want you to understand in All of these areas, depending on the leadership, every church will have different visions, different functions, different ways they do what they do, different methodologies. And I want us to think in terms of the armed forces, Air Force, Navy, Marine, Space Force, whatever that is. And I miss one. Who did I miss? Coast Guard. Army. Army. There you go. They all have different functions, don't they? And I think what happens with the church is we look at at certain churches and they're kind of heavy on this or or focus or, you know, and, and, and instead of celebrating that, we just don't, we don't affirm that. Uh, there's a guy with founders of our country, Dr. Benjamin Rush. He said at the founding of America, there was 250 denominations in America, and each one of them shone bright with a different facet of Christ's face. 
showing a different aspect of the glory of Jesus Christ. Boy, that's, that's the celebrating our differences. Now, in this list, let me just tell you, bow down. If you're going to pick one, Army. Or Air, we are Air Force, but yeah, Armed Forces. And my issue, right? Oh, that church is a cruise ship over there. You know, they're serving wafers and... We are, we are, we're serious. We're, we're on mission, man. We're radical, man. We're going <laughs> to... And see, I want you to understand something. In my youthful zeal, Scripture says zeal destroys. Zeal destroys. You know? And the, and the mindset, oh, y'all done messed up and let us in your hood, and we're, you know, we're at war, we're going to, right? Army, army, let me sign. Where can I sign? And all of a sudden, arrogance. Because we're doing more. We're serious. We're not a bunch of pew sitters. These are like real things that I've said, unfortunately. And that, again, God has forgiven me. And what I'm going to talk about next week, and I want you to understand this, even though that's good, I feel like as a church, we made a mistake in that. And we're, we're going to shift, and I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get into more that week. This week, we don't have time. Hallelujah. So, here's what I want you to, to, to get. Why are we an army? Like, we're not going to change our vision. We're not going to change our mission. We're not going to change who we are. But prioritizing what we do is shifting a little bit as a church. But I want you to understand that, that bow down is an army. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 that, that, that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. He's going to tear down gates as he brings his kingdom. And we've got to be a people that are enlisted in the king's army that are willing to suffer violence because the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And so we are in the Lord's army. And so the question is, are you enlisted? Are you part of the army? We want to honor our veterans tomorrow for the great sacrifices. My grandfather served in Pearl Harbor, my other grandfather in Korea. And let me just tell you, South Korea is very, very much celebrating my grandfather because they would have been taken over without my grandfather's service. And so we honor them. But let me just tell you, there is a spiritual war that's going on. And you and I are in the Lord's army and people are trapped and broken and hurting, which is why the mission statement of Jesus, Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is anointing me to preach good news to those who are poor, to set at liberty those who are captives so that the blind could see and that the prisoners can go free. We are an army that brings freedom wherever we go. But unfortunately, our bow down army isn't functioning at full capacity. And whose fault is that? Bad question. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
Why we're doing what we're doing is because, listen, you need, you need to know whether you're in or out here, okay? We got, a, we got a battle that's already won through the blood of Christ, but there's people trapped in darkness, and we're going to send. We're going to send, and we're going to bring freedom. I want you to understand something real quick. I'm going to give you six points here, and then I'm going to let you go. Number one, and these are all application, are you ready to enlist? Are you ready to enlist into the bow down army? The first thing you do as a soldier is you sign up, you enlist. When you look at Acts chapter 6, there was a disagreement, right? And they said they called the full number of the disciples. That's Acts chapter 6, verse 2. They summoned the full number of disciples. How do we know who's in our number? How do we know who's in our number here, right? Because, yes, you're a part of the church universal, but are you part of the church local? How are we going to know who's in our number? Also, in Acts chapter 20, when Paul, he summons the elders of the church in Ephesus. Well, who are those guys? Well, they belong to a specific church, and that specific church had elders. And so, therefore, you need to be enlisted in a local army. You need to be in a local squad. Are you enlisted? Second thing, are you training to fight? Are you training to fight? Quaylen can tell you about boot camp. He's writing notes, by the way. Just raise your hand real quick. There you go. Went to boot camp. Now, what is boot camp? Boot camp is a place that you go, basic training. You learn the fundamentals, you know, but you're still not ready to fight when you go to boot camp, but you're learning how to fight. And so 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, fight the good fight of faith. Ephesians chapter 6, it says to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand, so that you can war and withstand on the evil day. And so we need to be a place where we are training to fight where we're training to fight, that we're willing to sacrifice because we're at war. The third thing, are you ready to learn a specialty? See, when you get out of boot camp, then you go learn a specialty. Okay, that guy's on tanks. That guy's in the kitchen. That guy is, and you get placed somewhere where you learn a specialty. The church should be full of people who know what their specialty is. Every single one of you, according to Ephesians chapter 4, Christ ascended, then he descended, and he gave gifts to the church. First apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and shepherds. You are one of those five. And when you know what, those, what that one is, guess what you can do? You can become a specialist in that. When you understand, okay, I have the gift of service. I have the gift of helps. I have uh, the gift of healing. Whatever that gift is, you need to fan that flame from the gift that was given to you by the laying on of the elders so that people can see your progress. We talked about that in 1 Timothy. So what is your gift? What is your specialty? And are you training in such a way where you know somebody's freedom depends on your training? Will, go ahead and play that cl- this clip. I love this clip. It's a great movie, One Bad Scene. My wife did like this when the scene came up because she loves me. 
Daxos. What a pleasant surprise. This morning's full of surprises, Leonidas. We've been tricked. Something more than a few hundred of them. This is a surprise. Silence! This is We heard Sparta was on the warpath. We were eager to join forces. If it is blood you seek, you're welcome to join us. But you bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? You see, I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. Doesn't it? You, there. What is your profession? I'm a potter. So. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. And you? Blacksmith. Spartans! What is your profession? <laughs> old friend I brought more soldiers than you did anyway ha ah, such a powerful scene why because listen up bow down listen what you do is secondary you are in the Lord's army and according to second uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 it says it says endure suffering like a good soldier, and no soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs. His only aim is to please his commanding officer. This is who we are. This is who we ride for. But unfortunately, we live in a society that puts more in getting our four-year degree so we can get a good job than for training for our specialty so we can bring sons and daughters into the kingdom of God and into the freedom and the destiny that God has for them. Again, it's part of our membership class. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's what we have been about. And why do I like that movie 300? Because we're not going for big numbers. We want a small group of people who know who they are and whose they are and are willing to lay down their lives. And by the way, I'm over right now. Three minutes. Welcome to Bow Down as well, because I do that every week. The fourth thing, and I'm so sorry, Sarah and Quaylen. The fourth thing that I'm asking you, are you willing to serve and, be and, and to be assigned to an operational unit? Will, if you could put up that picture, please. So I don't know if you can see it from there, but let me just explain it to you. This is an Army operational unit. And so you have commands, you have generals, lieutenants, majors, brigadiers, you know, all the way down to sergeant. But then you have numbers of troops, right? So a, a, a corpse, two to seven divisions, 50,000 to 300,000 troops, right? And then it goes all the way down to a squad, a squad, a squad, seven to 14 people. This is the brilliance of Jesus. How many disciples did he have? 12. And he trained them. 
And he called them to himself and he says, hey, you want to follow me? Guess what? You need to, number one, deny yourself. You need to take up your cross because it's excruciating. And then you need to follow me. And he did that with 12 people over three years. He trained them. He trained them. He was their sergeant, even though he was the general of all generals, he was their sergeant. And then after, th- after three years, he says, you have received this love from me. Love one another as I've loved you. He sent them out to change the world. The fifth thing. So if I've lost you, Number one, are you ready to enlist in the Bow Down Army? Is training boot camp, are you going to go through training? Number three, are you willing to learn a specialty? A specialty, what is your gift? The fourth thing, are you willing to be assigned to an operational unit? Are you willing to be assigned to a squad? Like right now, we're building a building on Tamron called T-Hop, and we need a squad of people that are on that building because that building should be glorious and radiant, a beacon on a hill that cannot be hidden. But we need people to get in their operational unit. They need to be at a place where they're called to. And the fifth thing is, once you're on that squad, are you willing to learn your place on the team, submitting, submitting to the leadership that's around you, continuing to learn and continuing to train? Are you committed on a spot in an area whether it's children's church, whether it is outreach, whether it is mentoring, whether it is church planting, right? Like, like we're about to face, Sharon, raise your hand real quick, right? We're about to plant a church. They're planting it. Some of you need to leave this unit, go with that unit. He ends his sermons on time too, by the way, face. <laughs> Every single time he's ended on time. All right. Number six, final point here, and this is the most important. Are you willing to wait for orders? You see, an army officer or an enlisted soldier could go through training, know their specialty, go through boot camp, be on a team, be on a a squad, be in a unit, but they still weren't allowed to engage the enemy. The only thing that they could do is to just be ready And they waited for orders. They waited for the command to come down. Understand Christians. Jesus trained his people for three years and he said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So this means, are we going to be a praying church that's seeking Jesus' face, waiting on him to lead us out? It's amazing to me when I look at the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, there was a demon-possessed girl that was following him for a number of days. And finally, he cast the demon out of the girl. You would think that Paul would have done that step number one, get rid of the demons, right? Right? Ministry 101. Let's get rid of the demons first. Paul didn't do that. There was a patient waiting, a patient waiting. Acts 
after being trained for three years with Jesus, you would think that they should just go. Go get him. Nope. They were waiting from orders from King Jesus to engage the enemy. In Acts 1.14, it says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so... We are raising up, and we are, God is, raising up an army where we need to begin to have a proper perspective on the church, the big church, but also the local church. And the reason why the local church is important, it's, it's why Jesus in Revelation 2 and 3, he wrote to the seven churches, because each church had a gift, each church had issues, each church had had, had, had good things that, that, that they were doing, but they were also attacking a certain area. And so you need to be in a local church, whether it, if it's bow down or not. I might have scared you away with all this army talk today, but that's okay. That's okay. I had a couple that left our church because they were in a season where they needed rest, and they came to me and said, Chris, you just challenge us way too much. And, and, and we're just not at a season where our family, where we need that. And you know what? Praise God. Number one, somebody left in a right way. And number two, the head of their house knew what they needed for this season. Now, some of you, don't, if you don't want to get shot at, But some of you are like, oh, I'm going home to watch that 300 movie. I found my church. But listen, you don't have to be getting shot at. Look, we, could, we need people um, that can serve goldfish to the kids. They won't shoot you. Some of you just, just don't drop the baby. You know, uh, but in the army, there's all kinds. There's doctors and nurses and cooks and right maintenance and right. And so as our church, we have inner healing and we have mentor and we have outreach. We have right. So I don't know where God is calling you. But for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be a member at Bow Down. And first and foremost, are you in the Lord's army? Because bow down as an army. Worship team, come on up. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and for your grace. We celebrate the fact, Jesus, that you are the dread warrior. That you are the lion of the tribe of Judah who has conquered. We thank you that we walk in it is finished. You defeated the enemy and you put him to open shame on the cross. And I pray for your church that she would walk in such a way knowing that the enemy is under our feet and defeated. I thank you that we are more than conquerors. I thank you that everything is going to work together for good for us because we love you and are called according to your purposes, God. I thank you that if you are for us, who or what can be against us, God? I thank you that we have the victory and the battle is the Lord's. And so God, raise up up an end time army 
that will be about your kingdom first, God. And help us, help us to submit to one another out of love and to get into the place that you have for us, our post, our specialty. We praise you, God. We thank you because you are good. Be blessed by our worship now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.